Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Yesterday, uh, Kingdom Encounters Conference was here, and I, right before my session, I remembered this really cool testimony that happened to us. And my wife and I, we had been traveling, you know, for about two years at this time. And when we went into the traveling ministry, it was in the natural incredibly difficult because nobody knew us and nobody really cared to know us, you know. And so I had to call 50 plus churches. I mean, literally I Googled churches and would call them to try and talk to the pastor to arrange meetings. It was the hardest thing emotionally because you had to go through 48 no's before you got a single yes and I didn't do this once every once in a while I did it every single Monday I dedicated myself to calling in order to keep us somewhere to go because we put everything in storage and we didn't have a home because we couldn't afford a home so I had to have a meeting booked and somewhere to go with hotels and everything arranged and this was how we entered into it I mean no plan b and two years in, you know, this never stopped. I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm booking, I'm booking. It was getting easier. But I said to the Lord one day, I said, man, it would just be great. It would really encourage me if someone actually invited me. Uh, I would just go a long way right now. And my phone rang and someone was like, we've been praying. We feel to have you at the church. And I was like, oh my gosh, this feels amazing. We're wanted, babe. Like, I'm not like pushing to get in a door and um so we go to this church and, and opening night I was speaking the Lord had given me a five-part series and it was all about the message the messenger the method and things like that and the mark of the fire of God all with an M you know it's really cool <laughs> I was talking about the message of the gospel and there was a Catholic woman in the building that day. And I really love Catholics because I feel they're one of the easiest people to really catch fire in the Pentecostal spiritual world because they're, they're open to the supernatural, you know. And so she was filling it out opening night. Her eyes were wide. She was terrified as we were preaching and things were happening in the room. And so she decided she wanted to leave the building. So she kept backing up the seats until she was near the end. And some lady over here, the power got hit, and she began to cry. So this woman said, this is it. I'm going. And she stood up. And as she stood up, I didn't do anything, but I saw the Lord. She, was, she didn't even realize how much the Lord had been doing. She couldn't walk. So she stood up to try and walk, and she just fell into two rows of chairs and was like, woo, like just by the power of God. So we pick her up. We put her back in the back row. And she's just locked in, you know, like, I'm obviously not leaving. I gave an altar call. She ran forward that night and just poured out her heart to the Lord, got saved, baptized with the Holy Ghost, came every night that week, brought her lawn care guy, brought the plumber that had to fix something. She was shouting amen to everything I said. She was like the greatest amen corner you've ever had in a meeting. And I just thought how glorious it is when you make room for the presence of the Lord, how real it is. People think you have to explain God. You cannot explain God. I don't care how crafty you are with language. God is God. He will do what he does. You, as the church, we as the body, 
are told not to grieve the Spirit and not to quench the Spirit, but to give the Spirit free reign to move in the church. Amen. And so we're just grateful for all of you radical, awesome, Holy Ghost, on fire people that call the river your home. Look around here. You're in the, you're in the greatest group of people you've ever met. We aren't perfect, but we have a perfect God. I want to read a scripture, and then I'm going to talk about something that um, happened to me last night, and I think it goes with today's service. Acts chapter 19, verse 12, I'll begin, and it says that when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin, speaking about Paul the apostle, were placed on sick people, and they were healed of all of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. And they tried to new, use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. And I copied and pasted this into my iPad. I apologize. The next scripture matters. So let me get it. 14. It says... That, um, let me change from passion. Verse 14, seven sons of Sceva's were doing this, but one time they tried it. The evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And then the man with the evil spirit leaped upon them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. I've always said this. I'm a country boy from Tennessee. If you ever went into a fight and fled naked, you got your butt whooped. <laughs> when it goes to that level, you have been demoralized. I've been in a few scraps and I never left naked. You know what I'm saying? It's, people don't know what I'm talking about right now. And uh, last night, well, first of all, let me say, the Lord has been doing incredible things at the river. As you can see, we just opened this place up to make more room, and you can see how full it is right now. So obviously, the Lord has got something even greater in store for us. We've been charting what's been happening here, and in the last 12-month period, which you know the last 12-month period from March to March, the, the, this church has doubled and the in, income of, of everything going on here. And then it's, I mean, nearly doubled in attendance in 12 months' time. It's incredible. We are in a surge of revival. God gets all the glory. Amen. Amen. Last night, and, and maybe I should leave with this, I have been feeling the tug of the Spirit. When, when I became a pastor, the Lord began to teach me about spiritual authority. And the Bible talks about that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We actually war against principalities and spirits in dark places. We are in a spiritual battle. And one of the first lessons the Lord taught me about authority is as if he puts me as the pastor of this house, if I am not willing to step aside and let his spirit move, then he is stopped from moving in this place. And the way the Lord began to teach me that is that when a minister or the, the worship team would be up there, the Lord began to direct me to say, you know, like basically, Lord, may the anointing upon my life and anything I've tapped into heaven come upon these people right now as they worship. For I'm not trying to outshine anybody, but it's all about you. And I began to see that, and I would see things increase by the glory of God here. And 
As one man of God said, you cannot build a church in the natural. You first have to win the spiritual battle. And so it's a spiritual battle you're up against. And I began to ask the Lord recently from a place of just true sincerity saying, God, help me grow spiritually to another level to carry more for your kingdom because I recognize the sign of the times that we are in the last days and there is not time to waste. So I began to ask the Lord for that. Two Sundays back, that was the closest to heaven I think I have ever been in my life. I was totally wrecked. And I mean, just so you know, people didn't understand what was happening. Some people messaged the church. You know, you, you have all of these things where people are attacking you as you are moving towards God. You just have to block that out. You know what God is doing. Don't worry about what a naysayer is saying. And I mean, it was so overcoming that I was just so grateful to the Lord. I felt that was the strongest God was moving on the planet. And it was here. And I was like, mind blown, right? And so last night at 3 o'clock in the morning, I had a dream that was more than a dream. And I want to share this with you because... In the midst of this dream, there were several things happening. It was quite a lengthy dream, but I'm going to skip through to the part that I want to share with you guys, and that is that I found myself in a garage, so to speak, and uh, I remember looking at the tool chest and all the stuff. It was a clean garage, and there was a man that I did not know in the building with me, and he was muttering and he was asking questions about God and I could tell that he needed ministry to, but there was a loud record player and it was a record player, not a CD, a record player rolling in the corner and it was playing anointed music. It was like, sound like people speaking in tongues and prayer, but it was almost distracting and I went over there and I turned it down and I turned to the man and I began to walk over to minister to him and suddenly he said, look, I know that woman. And the garage door was open, and we looked out, and there was a group of people. And they were the woman he pointed at was wearing our T-shirt that says Holy Spirit on it, the Holy Spirit T-shirt in the dream. And in the dream, I had encountered this person earlier, did not know them, but I was like, oh, okay, yeah. So the guy runs out to him, and I go up to this group of people in this dream, and the woman with the Holy Spirit t-shirt, looks at me and says, there's a spirit of death trying to, to attack this man. And she lays hands on him. But as she laid hands on him, this woman literally morphed in the dream to the most hideous thing you'd ever seen. Her skin turned scaly white and, and demonic. Her eyes went pure black. And she was like piercing, staring straight at me with her hands on this guy. And he basically began to shrivel up and people came around him. And it was like demonic. I mean, you could feel an evil presence there. And I didn't let, I didn't break eye contact with this woman. I just stayed eye contact with her. And suddenly things went dark. I felt like I was asleep. And this thing, this, this woman, this whatever creature leapt upon me. And I began to basically wrestle this thing in pure dark. It was actually pitch dark. I couldn't see anything. I felt this thing coming at me. It was clawing. It was biting, trying to strangle me. I mean, I'm talking in the midst of the greatest fight for my life that I could have ever felt. And I wasn't scared, though. In the dream, I just was calm. I didn't even raise my voice. I was like, no, Jesus, 
Jesus is enough. No, even the name of Jesus, you cannot take me out. And I kept going, and it lasted such a long time. And suddenly... And I've, and I've operated in the realms of the, the, the anointing before, but I have never felt what I felt in this dream. My whole body began to pulse, like, like, like vibrate and pulse. Like I felt like I was getting bigger and then getting smaller. It was hot, like pure fire in the inside of me. It was pulsing and pulsing and pulsing. And this thing kept fighting, kept, kept fighting. And it just kept pulsing and I stayed calm. And I mean, I wrestled this thing, wrestled this thing. And finally it just broke. And when it broke in the dream, I woke up in the dream still. So I'm still dreaming, but I woke up from my sleep in the dream. And I was in a room of people and there was beds everywhere, like almost like an orphanage look. And there was flashlights running around. And I jumped out of the bed and I ran to the people and I said, something tried to attack you. And they they were terrified and they said, something's in the room right now. And right as they said that, a young girl right there in this group of people, there was four of them, she clutched her throat and began to gasp for, for air. And I instantly grabbed her throat and I was like, no, you foul devil, you will not take this girl's life. You will not take her out. And she began to say from her own lips, I cannot win this battle. I cannot beat this thing. This thing has me. I cannot breathe. I'm going to die. And I kept just on her throat. No, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And then suddenly I woke up, and now I'm really awake. My wife is right beside me peacefully in bed. The anointing that I felt in the dream is literally vibrating on me in the bed. It was the most intense feeling I've ever had. And, and I knew that this was a spirit coming I felt what it wanted was to get into my house. But when it wanted in my house, I knew it's not just my personal house. It's the house of God. And this is a demonic spirit that wants to break what is happening here. And the whole precursor of the dream was, is that, and why I read Acts 19, is that in the dream the Lord began to show me, we have gained the attention of some spiritual forces. Paul, I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? We have operated at what level we were, but it's like we went to another level. And last night when I fought that thing, let me tell you something. It will not. And I woke up in the dark and I was like, you foul devil of hell. You have no access to the house of God. You have no place in our midst. You will not touch your PR people. You will not lay a finger upon our children. You cannot stick around in any capacity whatsoever for this house house is not an empty house. This house is a house full of the glory of God. And we evict you by the mighty power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The same time I'm wrestling this thing. I tell, in the back, telling people what happened. Pastor Jeff's like, what time was it? Pulls up his phone. The Lord had him awake at the exact same time, speaking to him. And I cannot tell you how many times this happens. It's like, you know you're with the right people because we're all, we're we're linked. So I want you to share what the Lord was giving you. I just kept on waking up and waking up, and I got up, and I knew it. And I was like, all right, what is it, Lord? You know, at first you're like, all right, I'm sleeping. And then I wake up, so I was like, okay, I looked at the clock. And when he told me about this morning, I said, look at this. I pulled it out. And the thing that kept ringing in my spirit was make adjustments, not excuses. 
And then I, I just and then I just sat up in bed and I was like, all right, Lord, show me, you know. And then he just started showing me the picture of like, you know, David and Goliath. But then he started showing me the characteristics of the actual stone, like the rock, what it had been through, everything, you know, the 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 knocking off of the edges so that it could actually fly straight, the running over of the wind, the stuff that just the endurance that it had in a moment that it could be hand-chosen by God and picked up to take on the mocking giant. And then I just started seeing it as the church. You know, we were. And, and, and I've been saying it for a while. Like, when he, when, he, when he talks to Peter, like he was talking about, and says, oh, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. It was actually a moment that he was like, this is the foundation of my church, a man that has a connection and can hear from heaven just as I do. We And he says Simon Barjona, which is like of the dove, but it's a, a son of the spirit. We have to be, even, even in his dream, we have to be men and women at full maturity led by the spirit of God. The, the sifting and the marking and all that not only has come to this house, but those who have allowed it to come to their own personal house and didn't make excuses and didn't do that, but make the slight adjustments. You know, to be a little bit off kilter, one little adjustment here and there keeps you down the perfect path, right? So I'm just saying, like, as a body, as a church, the foundation, God's waiting for men and women to come and link arm to arm together, and that's you and I, to get our house in order so that his house can be in order, so that we can have, like, the true integrity that he can use in a moment when he's willing to lift us up because we have a mocking giant out there in this world that he needs the church to raise up the standard. Everything's a mocking, you know, that the enemy has. You know, God is raising up a standard, and that standard's you and I, right? The enemy, like a lion, we are the lion, huh? There's a new warrior that's being stepped out, and, it's, and, it, and it is a church, and it will be, it, by the hand of God, cast into the head of the giant that's standing there mocking us. And that's you and I. The body. It can't be, I mean, we're led, just as we're led by the Spirit, there's order in the kingdom. But a kingdom foundation cannot be shaken. So there is order for the, for the same anointing to run from the head all the way down throughout. The first thing it hits is the beard, a sign of maturity. That's up to you and I to step it up to a level of maturity so that we can be used as a body. Right? Think of, I could, I could keep on going on and going on, but if we're the bride and the king of kings and lord of lords is here, does the bride ever have anything to even worry about? Because the king's always walking before. Whoa, watch out. Seriously. We just had a witness of it up here. Do you think that anybody could ever mess with that bride and the man's not going to step up? No. Absolutely not. It ain't going to happen. Right? That's what we're called to do. Join together in unity with purity. Allow the edges of us to be knocked off. Let God form us into who he originally intended us to be, to rise up one spirit, one cord with the power, the power, the whole thing with this dream.
They might have even wore the short whatever, but they came running to the power when it was needed. And there's a world out there that's coming running for a church that's demonstrating the power and the households that are demonstrating the power of God. So let's sharpen up. On that note, you know, I knew that the dream was not just about me. And so you can clarify, when you speak about the anointing, the anointing is not yours. It is his. To function under it, you just have to submit to him. You can't purchase the anointing. You can't build it yourself. You can't fabricate it. It is totally in submission to the plan of God, a humbling. And in that, you know, this is all him and it is not me. But I want you to know. You are not alone. The Spirit of God is with you, but in this house, you are not alone either. We have a covering from heaven, and the Lord is on our side. Amen? Amen. I want to read this scripture to you because this is what's happening right now. Luke 22, 31 through 32 says, and this is Jesus speaking to Peter. It says, Peter, my dear friend, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan has obtained permission to come and sift you all like wheat and test your faith. Test all of their faith. Judas was sifted and opened himself up to the devil. Satan entered into him and Judas killed himself. But Peter, I have prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this, after you have turned back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. Your strength matters for the people in this room right now. Let me tell you what has been happening is the, this, the, the churches of America have been sifted right now. There's been a sifting. The enemy has run rampant on people. Spirit of fear. Spirit of death, control, manipulation on our young people. A spirit of confusion coming to confuse their identity. And they don't know who they are and they don't know who they're attracted to. And they don't know anything. And it's just been this total sifting in the body of Christ. And I'll tell you, some people, some men, some women built mighty buildings that are empty. But in this sifting, there are some, watch this that have built great things and they got off track and they've gone to their face before the Lord right now and you watch what God is about to do. From the ashes, there's, there's a rising a bride of such power, of such purity. She is not into fluff. She no longer cares about a program. She no longer cares about a wall of lights. She doesn't care about a smoke machine. She doesn't care about an order of events. She throws time out the window. This bride is coming, and she's coming with a vengeance, and the Spirit of God is behind her. So let me tell you, we have had some large churches. Not all of those men and women have totally erred. Some of them are coming back and they are going to blaze with the glory of God once more. And the power of God is going to rest on the church of Jesus Christ in America. And the greatest harvest of souls that this country has ever seen is being released. And there is nothing that any force of darkness, any virus, any news media, anything can do to stop the eruption of the glory of God upon the bride of Christ for we have been weighed we have been measured and the Lord says I have found my true bride I have prayed for that bride and I am releasing my spirit in full measure upon her 
And it's been personal. You've gone through sifting. Some of you have gone through so much pain, it would have taken 10 other people out. Your heart's been broken to a million pieces. And yet somewhere along the way, there was something in you that didn't give up. And you said, no. It can look bad, but my eyes are focused on the one that says all things will work out together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So this will break in the name of Jesus. He is the redeemer. He is the restorer. You're not staying in that place. You've been sifted, but you are here and you didn't quit. And everything that the devil had, he threw his tools, everything he had, power drills, and yet somehow or another, you're still here. So you know what? Devil, get out! Come on. What he said. Take that personal. You go to your house. This is not the time to make excuses. It's time to go into my house and go through the movies and throw out anything that, that ain't glorifying God. Come on. You say, that's extreme. It's time to go through my Alexa playlist and line it up with the glory of God once more. It's time to get an old-fashioned anointing bottle oil out from the corner, start dabbing the doorpost, singing in the Holy Spirit, baptizing your children in the bathtub, taking authority over every spirit of hell, and saying, absolutely not, absolutely not. This house is a house reserved for the glory of God and His service alone. So that we can reach out to a lost and dying world and say, oh, we know the dark that you have been accustomed to. We have felt the pain that you have been living in. We have gone through all of that ourselves. And we are here to tell you with all truthfulness, he sees you through to the other side. Your story does not end in death. It ends in everlasting life where no force of darkness can lay hold of you. Jesus. Fire! 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 Fire!
tell you, we've gone through a season where we have tolerated and we have put up with it. We've looked to the Lord saying, when will my redemption come? But I'm telling you, America, you better get ready because a, an overflowing wave of the glory of God is going to shake this nation. We are not talking fluff. We are talking get ready. All of creation has been groaning and travailing for this moment right now. And we are not tolerating one more second, a delay or a resistance from the kingdom of darkness. For we have been given all power and all authority over you. We trample on the head of serpents. Ra Sebakata. Come on. Our children are safe. Our family is safe. Our nation is safe. We take authority over the, door, the, the devil right now. We're not tolerating it in another moment. We're breaking shackles off of people. We're in a serious business, and you can mock us, but our eyes are fixed on the one whose eyes blaze like fire, and we are fully persuaded that there is only one way. His name is Jesus Christ, and that is the way that we will move forward at any given moment. It is fully for him. There's a men's meeting sign up for April 15th through the 17th in the lobby. <laughs> Call him in to step into that realm of glory, a place of authority. Truthfully, stop letting your wife do the spiritual battles for you. Stop being a pansy that lays it all on your woman and asking her to break through for you. Grow up and be a man that girds yourself for war, that carries the sword of the spirit, that has a shield of faith, that takes authority over things and loves your wife with a fierce love that God gave you and keeps your household safe. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Men will be men and we will be godly men. Perfect time for that text. Jesus. Jesus, 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 hey, Yeshua, Yeshua HaMashiach, glory bringer, life changer, resurrector, when Jesus was about to leave the earth, he called together a group of people that he spoke of when he said the devil had obtained permission to sift you. He called them back to himself. And he had prayed for them. Peter denied Christ three times. To redeem him, Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And every time he said, I love you, Lord. And Jesus would say, then feed my sheep. 
What did Jesus say? The devil obtained permission to sift you. And when you've been restored, strengthen the faith of your brothers. Feed my people. Pour into them what you have got. For it costs you nearly everything to carry the precious anointing that you have on your life. You think that God gave that cheaply? You think that God threw it out? No. You've been sifted, and only God can pour that into you. It is the most precious gift that you could ever have to function through the unction of the Holy One. And when he called them together, he said, I want you to do something. This is people that he had given power over unclean spirits to heal the sick. And they came back rejoicing. Even demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, rejoice not that demons are subject to my name, but that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You are everlasting. You are unbreakable. Nothing can kill you. You will not taste of death. You only know life. When this temple gives way, you won't know it as death. You won't see darkness. You will see light. You will be ushered into the presence of the Almighty. The veil will be lifted, and everything that you live for will be made re revealed to you, and you will know in that day, thank you, God, that I found you because it is real. And these are streets of gold that I'm walking on. But he told him, he said, go and tarry in Jerusalem. Go and wait until you be endued with power, he said. Well, what is he talking about? What, do you, what more power do we need? If we have if we can cast demons out, what are we waiting for? And you know, let me tell you something. Somewhere along the way in 2,000 years of professional church growth, we walked away from the very beginning of the New Covenant Church. The New Covenant Church, Jesus did not say, go into all the world and develop programs. And I'm not trying to mock people. I'm just trying to shine light. We got off track. We walked away from the foundation. The church, the New Covenant Church, everything in the church began with, wait until you be endued power and we have gone to the place where we are accustomed to coming to a building and not receiving anything and leaving the same way we've came more concerned with the time that we had to devote to show up in the place because that is religion religion beats you over the head tells you you're not worthy and makes you come back groveling before the Lord in hopes of forgiveness so that you can make heaven but that is not the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is you go and you be filled with the spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. We don't come here because, we, because we're scared of hell. We come here because we are embracing heaven. Because it is real. Amen. Wait until you get that. There should never have ever been a time that people came to church and left the same way they came. I, I, this is a weird, weird thing but i'm gonna uh, this popped in my spirit when i was thinking about this in the 1500s and 1300s around that time period that when you got married they would actually people in the church would be in the bedroom during your wedding night thank god we don't have this tradition anymore because i would have definitely opted out of this one peace out take one of the associates i'm out awkward they did it because at that time, 
people were claiming they would sleep, said they didn't sleep with them, or that they weren't virgins, and they would annul the wedding and break everything off. Because if the foundation, if the beginning of the marriage was not pure and not sanctified, then from then on the marriage could be annulled. Same with the bride. If you don't get the start right, how do you expect to get step seven right? Come on, somebody. You have got to go back to step one and get it right with God and wait until you be endued with something from heaven that equips you for step number two. Don't step ahead. If you were to go out and pump yourself full of a bunch of steroids and win a gold medal in the Olympics, when they tested your blood and it came back that you were not honest in what you put in your body, they would strip that medal from you because though you performed well, it was all a lie. My God, my God, may it not be a lie anymore in the church of America. We call this church back the true church of Jesus Christ. We don't care what we're called, whether we're overflow, outpouring, river church, fire church, ignite church, glory church, assembly church, first church, second church, fourth church. We're talking about one church, one church sanctified by one God and one redeemer and filled with one spirit. And that spirit is looking to pour out upon the church of Jesus Christ one more time. And we are on the cusp. I'm telling you, we're already really in it here at the river. But not everybody is experiencing this on Sundays. There's still people that are showing up, feeling guilty, watching things dwindle, watching life leave the building. And Christ never came for something to die. He came to bring life back to the dead. And so I feel that. I want to encourage you. Do not judge the bride. But you speak over the bride. There's coming a resurgence of the glory of God. That some of our leaders that fell off track, that were distracted like, 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 like the bull by the matador's red flag and wore itself out and the matador thinks he's about to do the final strike there is coming a refreshing of God upon that bride and the generals and the people that have slipped off track God is bringing them back we call dreams we call visions we call awakenings we call encounters to their lives we call the shaking of the spirit of God to raise up the true bride of Christ these churches will not fall empty they will be packed and filled again for the glory glory of the risen king but they will not be filled as they once were they will be filled first and foremost by the only one whose attendance ever mattered and that is the spirit of God will run in the place and fill every square cubic inch of it and the people will encounter that which the church was built upon the true spirit of God not a spirit of professionalism. Not a spirit of great stewardship even. Just a spirit of radical abandonment to the glory of God. The Holy Spirit. Go and do tarry until you be endued with power. I can tell you anything, church. Every time the doors are open, come with an expectation from God. And man, there's in your life that are not where you want them don't let the enemy distract you trying to prop those things up 
You give it to God, you keep your eyes on Jesus, and you know that you are right in the right place at the right time, and you're not alone. There's always someone in this room that is willing to go out of their way to pour into you, to feed you, to do whatever it takes to ensure that you will walk through unscathed and not smell of smoke when you get to the other side. Amen? We're called to be a hospital to the sick. There are hurt people. So that's why we must get our house in order. This house and our personal house. So it is a place of peace. People should come to your home and comment that there is something in this home that fills me with peace. Strangers should want to nap on your couch. It should not be a place where the spirit of strife is allowed to manipulate and run rampant. It should not be a place where division is allowed to ever always be celebrated and always be perpetrated. It should be a place where there is a unity brought by the spirit of God that comes through submission to one. His name is Jesus. You want to make your marriage strong? You both fall back in love with Jesus. And I promise you, your marriage will be strong. You want to reach your children's? You get something genuine from God, and they will see this is not fake. People spot fake a mile away. Everybody knows, avoid Twinkies, because that thing will be in your system a thousand years in glory. You still have to expel a Twinkie that you had in 1983. My God, this thing's still there. It made it through the fire. Your life was tried through the fire. Some wood, hay, and stubble, some gold and silver, and Twinkies abound. Come on, we were not meant to fill churches. We were meant to be filled in church by the Spirit of God through a hunger. Amen? If you start wrong, everything is wrong. The beginning of the church was being dude with power. Once the power fell, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell. A rushing wind of heaven, cloven tongues of fire. People began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. Erupting in languages and pouring out praise to the Lord to where it was so noised abroad. Thousands of people began to gather around the upper room, mocking them. Pastor Jeff said, there's a mocking spirit, mocking spirit to mock the church. And every time you get touched from God, someone comes to mock you. You're a weirdo. You're a wacko. You're a Jesus freak. Oh, you ran around the building. How awkward. Oh, you go to the river. Yeah, that, that's a strange place. It's a cult. Bro, go and research what a cult is. You're in more of a cult than I am. I'm in freedom. I serve a king. I don't serve anything man-built. And you get mopped all the time. That's why I think Pentecostals, they, gotta, they really got to tap into love because we're so used to being just pushed around. Yeah. And we're like, you know what? Leave me alone. You're a bunch of nanny nanny boo-boos. <laughs> That's it. I'm sick of this thing. At least our communion wafers taste good. Yours taste like styrofoam. Your church smells like mothballs. Your, your pastor wears a dress.
Okay. We got to stay full of love, people. The struggle is real, man. <laughs> All right. After everybody gathered, what began was the New Covenant Church. It's very important that you realize that Acts is literally the beginning of the church. This was the start of everything. So when you read it, you, re you realize this is actually the operation manual of the church, which men are terrible at. We were putting together a desk the other day. We opened up the manual, and both of us said, toss that in the trash, and then proceeded to go and find it after we were looking at the pieces later. You threw it away. No, you threw it away. It's you, bro. I knew. I'm humble. This is our manual. This is our operations manual. This is, what, this is what we're supposed to actually be doing in order to be called the church. Nowadays, you just go and get a nonprofit or 501c3 or worse yet, just buy a PVC sign that says church and slap it on a building. But the beginning of the church was this. They were endued with power. People came rushing because of what God did. So literally what the Lord breathed upon them at the start brought an insurgence of people of every tribe and tongue, basically, many different languages and nations. And Peter got up, the same one that denied Christ, got up and began to preach as the Lord had said him, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And this is the first introduction of the gospel of Jesus Christ where he begins to preach a message. And the first thing Peter went out of his way to do before he said anything of what is happening, he said, this is, we are not drunk as you suppose. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel and began to point to God the Father to glorify God for what he was doing. The church is meant to glorify God. Come on. Not man, not structures of men, not denominations, not buildings, not, not parking lots, not programs. We are meant to glorify God. How do you glorify God? You keep yourself out of the way and you point always to one. He is the king of this place. His way is our way. What he wants is what we want. If he wants to go long, we going long. Amen. Are you with me right now or are you nervous right now? If you're nervous, just look straight ahead and smile and no one will know. <laughs> he glorified God. When you preach the gospel, what have we been on lately? Uh, the Lord has had us in a season of learning to honor. Honor one another. Honor the callings in the body. And first and foremost, honor his presence. If you don't honor his presence... Then his presence will move on somewhere else. We are a place of honor. We glorify God. That's why we praise and worship as, as violently as we do. It's not because we didn't get our cardio in this week. Because <laughs> we're here to glorify God. That's how we start every service. And we ain't stopping until we feel the release of God to move on to something else. Amen? Who enjoys that? I do too. Praise God. And you don't have to jump. You know what I'm saying? It's not about jumping or screaming. It's not. It's an attitude, posture of the heart. Not everybody's going to run. When people do run, we, hey, run. But there are people running while sitting in their seats because the posture of their heart is wide open to Jesus right now. Saying, just do it, God. 
That's what we're talking about. Number two, as he preached the gospel, he glorified God. Then he began to reveal the deity and the truth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who he was, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world in order to give you eternal life. That's who Jesus is. If the church does not continue to, to introduce Jesus to this world, this world will remain lost. As one man of God said, you could feed them or you could give them a car, but if you don't give them Jesus, they will drive themselves straight into hell with a full belly. The gospel must be preached. Jesus came for one thing, and that is people. He is glorified by people, not by bank accounts. You think he needs money in a bank account? God does not need money in a bank account. God doesn't, he laughs at the plans of men is what the Bible says. He sits in the heavens and he laughs at the plans of, of kings and kingdoms. The whole Biden camp, everything, he laughs at that. And I said it in church, get over it. People said, should you mock things in the world? Well, when Elijah stopped the sun and Ahab came to complain, the Bible says that Elijah mocked Ahab. So I feel scripturally, I am justified to mock away. Are you praying for him? I'm praying for America. Okay. <laughs> he revealed Jesus. When you reveal Jesus, this is, he is the only one that does part three. He begins to convict people's hearts. Religion condemns you, makes you feel inadequate, not good enough, a lowly person, a pathetic loser, a, a person that will always strive. You can hear religion because it says once a sinner, always a sinner. We're all striving to get there. There's no striving in a relationship with Christ Jesus for he says, I stand at the door and knock. All you got to do is let him in. And then he's there. Amen? Stop having a conversation through a door of religion. Open the door and let the king of glory come right in. He convicts hearts. Conviction is so precious because condemnation makes you feel trapped as you are and inadequate. Conviction fills you with an ability to believe you can be transformed. And a desire to live that way. As it says in Thessalonians, he gives you both the power and the desire to live as he's called you to live. When you preach Jesus and hearts get convicted, these hearts open up. All the hurt, all the scars, everything, every wall up gets tumbled down and they trust again. And they take a step of faith again. And they respond. They feel it. And they choose. I'm responding to this love. This is a love not in this world. This is greater than this world. This is the best love. This is the only love. He is Jesus Christ. And when a heart gets convicted, uh, the worst, roughest person will run forward into the arms of Jesus. And you will not recognize them in days to come. 
God will take a prostitute and turn them into a preacher. God will take a drug addict and turn it into a Bible school student on fire. God will take a broke, nobody crackhead and turn them into a business owner with people that he is hiring and keeping off the streets. God will turn any situation around. Stop trying to do it in your own strength and point to the only one that does it. I found him. He is the pearl of great value. He is my all in all, my everything, my advocate, my best friend. He's the one that speaks to me when I sleep and wakes me up in the morning. He's the one that leads me as I walk. He's the one that warns me about the people I need warned about. Shakarabaraka. He's the one that fills me for love for the people that are difficult to love. Don't point at anyone. He brings conviction. And there's something so precious about conviction. Because it is literally wrapped in love. And that's what it is. You're so loved by him that you're like, I want to be better for you. I need to be better for you. Teach me. Transform me. Go anywhere. I trust you. I give you everything. I hold nothing back, God. And when hearts are convicted, Jesus is revealed, and God is glorified, the kingdom of heaven is built. And it is built strong <laughs> on a foundation that terrifies the devil because it's not a shaky platform. It's not some third world camera stand in a mass crusade made out of twigs and berries where the camera operator is, is shaking. It is a foundation of a rock the rock of Jesus Christ. And nothing can batter that rock and break it down. And as the kingdom gets built, you keep watching. As the kingdom gets built, the church begins to grow. First thing you see, as all these people repent and turn to Jesus, the next bit of scripture says they began to rush forward and give. You want to know when Jesus has your heart? When nothing in this world matters. And already took an offering. <laughs> Saw seven people hold their breath. <gasps> Relax. <laughs> but truthfully, there is a form of, of generosity in the world. But it is evident that when Jesus gets in a person's heart, they, they tap into a generosity that's beyond their means. And anybody that truly loves Jesus, you've actually lived this. I mean, he has gone places where you're like, what are we doing right now? And then the beauty of it is that it works out in such favorable ways for you that you are just overwhelmed once again at the goodness of God. The Bible says that when they preach the gospel in Ephesus, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, we actually had to restrain them from giving. Imagine that. Could the day come at the river when we actually have to hold people back? Stop. Stop it. Just stop it now. You're getting ridiculous. It's too much. We have a room full of all of it. We can't even count it. We have more than enough. You just go give it to somebody else because we're tired of handling all your overflow. You go overflow elsewhere. Just pour it out somewhere else. Could the day happen? Yeah. 
I love your faith. It's precious because you don't need anything but him. You don't need anything but him. You are not in lack when you have Jesus Christ on the inside of you. Paul said, whether I have a lot or I have a little, I have learned that I have more than enough. What is he saying? Because Jesus always supplies. When Paul was was arrested as a prisoner in shackles, headed to Jerusalem for conviction and ultimately death, he gets on a boat, looks at the captain and says, don't launch out, we will sink. The captain says, no, I'm not listening to a prisoner. I'm going on. Ship gets into rocky waters or or crazy waters. It begins to go down. It batters them for days. Paul speaks once again. As long as you stay on the ship, nobody will die. Do not get on that life vessel. The Lord has already spoken to me. Nobody will die. They shipwreck. They come on the Isle of Malta, the Bible says. And the people rush out. And here is Paul as a prisoner struggling to the beach, throwing wood in a fire, and a poisonous viper lays a hold of him and bites him, and everybody watches him. He's a murderer, and judgment has come, and he will die. And Paul just looks at the poisonous viper and shakes it off. They watch, the Bible says, waiting for death to come. And then slowly their opinion begins to change from he's a murderer to this guy is different. And then it says he was ushered into the highest house of the island. Within hours of being shipwrecked as a prisoner in shackles, God brought Paul to the wealthiest house on the island and set before him a feast after people hadn't eaten in weeks. When you have Jesus, you don't need anything else. Are you with me? Is that not the most glorious story? That is who Jesus is for the bride. They rushed forward and they gave. And as they gave, the second thing that you read is the Bible says that the church or the kingdom, it grew on Sundays. No. Pastor Mark was like, yeah. We'll talk after service. We might give you a junior pastor title. No. When your aim ends at the wrong time. I'll take one for the team. I was in Bible college and I was not listening to the preacher. Always listen to the preacher. I'm talking to a friend of mine. We're goofing off, and suddenly I hear, stand up right now. So we shoot up right together. I mean, we're like looking around, and nobody else is standing. And we look around, and a person says, he just said, if you're dealing with homosexual thoughts, stand up right now. And me and my friend stood up right in the front row by each other. We're like, nah, 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 my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Three weeks of counseling later. (laughs) We're both pastors today, by the way. (laughs) The Lord can redeem anybody. (laughs) 
<laughs> it, says that, it says that they multiplied daily, daily, daily. Somehow in 2,000 years, we actually began to adopt that God moves on Sundays. And only Sundays. And occasionally Wednesday nights, if you're one of those churches. <laughs> with 15% with of the church that will actually come out for the midweek service. Because the rest of them feel pretty confident. I'm still full from that snack I had on Sunday. I'm in intermittent fasting. I go 7, 14, 21 days before meal. Some of you are such spiritual fasters. You eat a peanut of glory, and you're like, Whoa, I am stuffed. <laughs> you want me to eat that whole pistachio of the anointing? like a little guinea pig in the corner. Mm, 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 mm. Very visual, I apologize. <laughs> Build your spiritual appetite. Learn to feast of the glory of God for it builds a strong spirit man so that Monday is not a day of trying to build back up what you felt on a Sunday morning you think I don't know this you think I don't know people come to church and they feel freedom and they walk out the door and the chains begin to tighten around them Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and the following Sunday they don't even feel like they can make it to church because it's been so hard on them that is a tormenting spirit from hell. It's found in the word of God that Saul only felt relief when David played the harp. You're not meant to live that way. The spirit of God on the inside of you is enough to overcome these things personally and walk in victory so that the church grows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.